this is uh, the Zoom debut of uh, Steve Hackett on the show. Uh, the show's how long we've been talking. Yes. We've been going back to the Stone Age uh, before Zoom was even a thing. <laughs> Steve Hackett <laughs> on the show, and it was so great to talk with him about uh, the new uh, live release that they have coming out. Steve Hackett announces Genesis Revisited Live. Seconds out and more out tomorrow um, as the date of this recording, September 2nd, 2022. Number one, Brother Shane, can you believe it's September? And number two, wow. No, I, I can't believe it's September. It's where, where did the summer go? Just go on. <laughs> Just go on. Where, where did 2022 go? I know. But, but uh, the exciting thing also uh, in the wings of all this uh, is, that I guess, well, next year, 2023, will be treated to uh, Foxtrot. That's right. Uh, he, he, the band's going out in September and October, and they're going to be doing the Foxtrot at 50 show. So that's going to be absolutely uh, riveting. And uh, we're hoping they're coming to Philly or Detroit. <laughs> yeah, we have to see him. Yeah, I think he was in Philly. That was his show right before the pandemic happened and everything went crazy. Like, that was his yeah. last show or something like that you know there's so a lot it, of bands it, yeah show wasn't it? yeah it was yeah, yeah. so it would be really great to uh to see him uh, in philly or detroit and you know it would be so great this was uh you know we always it, it's you always want to find ways to go deeper in these chats right you know and i think yes. we did. i mean we talked a little bit about um what he, his thoughts were on uh you know genesis doing the farewell tour um the same time his dates he i think he had 31 dates booked the same time he was doing his genesis um uh shows and uh, i think there were a couple nights where they were in the same city at the same time you know in fact the blu-ray that he has and we'll just give you another quick detail for the folks out there genesis revisited live seconds out and more will be available excuse me available uh, as limited to cd blu-ray and limited two CD plus DVD, both including a uh, 5.1 surround sound, behind the scenes documentary and promo videos. But he said the Blu-ray was filmed the same night uh, that Genesis was doing their show. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about, gee, you know, what would it have been like if he went up there and played a track or two uh, with Genesis? And his answer was kind of surprising. Yeah, I think a lot of fans would love to see this happen. I think a lot of fans would love to see the the 2005 um, proposition of, of doing uh, Lamb Down, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway together as a band one last time. Um, I think it would be, I mean, it would sell out mind-blowingly fast. Creatively, I think, it, also I think for fans, especially younger fans, and you brought this up in the interview, uh, what a treat it would be for younger fans who are, are, are just listening to the Genesis. Ironically, my first Genesis record was you know, Seconds Out. So I always kind of look at those some of those versions that were on that to be the definitive versions of some of those songs like um, Carpet Crawlers and yeah. Birth of Fifth. And I, it just a, it was a mind-blowingly good album to me. That's That was my introduction to them because I didn't know um, a lot of uh, the older stuff because I was like two, three, yeah. four, <laughs> and so, I wasn't even thought of. <laughs> yeah, and you weren't a thought in your daddy's eye. <laughs> At least ten, ten years early. Ten years yeah. early. <laughs> a glimmer in your thought now. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a, uh, it's a great record. It flows really nice. You know, Tony and other people have talked about it. Said so it's somewhat good, somewhat okay. It was the album actually that Steve walked out on when it was getting mixed. 
which was kind of interesting. So uh, he's getting to do his version of it now. And um, that's kind of really cool how we've, we've come full circle on it. I can't wait to hear it. I really can't. Yeah. And he said the production, you know, what they're able to do with production too, just brings, there's just so much more. I think you, you, you alluded to this in the interview too. It's just, you know, you can bring so, it, it's brighter. You can just do so much more with it. Yeah. So very cool. So, so much going on in the world of Prague. Yeah. Um, got to talk to him a little bit about uh, Brian Eno. Um, that was great. Maybe, yeah. maybe a future collaboration. Uh, what his thoughts were on Kate Bush. Breaking into the top 10 again. Um, just, it's always fun talking to Steve. It always is an absolute pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you say we get right to this chat and uh, check it out? Everybody, this is Ron Halford. Rudy Feller. Hey, this is Steve Hackett. You folks are just Rick Emmett of Triumph. Let's all rock with Dave and Shane. Hey! There he is. Good to see you. Yeah, awesome. good to see you too. Yes, how are you doing, guys? We're good. Very We're good, good, sir. Let me just uh, get one quick thing. Um, all right, this is this is awesome, uh, Steve. Welcome back. Great to have you on the show. I think Thank first you. time we've done this with by a video, and uh, you are announcing mm-hmm. Genesis Revisited Live Seconds Out and more out uh, tomorrow, September second. And uh, you know, this is your uh, visual document of the 2022 UK tour celebrating the classic Genesis albums. And you had so much fun doing um, this tour. Like I, we were watching your your tweets, um, you know, before and after shows. And, and uh, yeah, I think you had, a, had an especially great time on this tour. Oh, yeah. You know, we've been touring since last autumn, last fall, um, nonstop. It's been an extraordinary year, fulfilling commitments. People bought tickets three years ago for things. So it's all compressed into this one year. And we are coming back to the States at the end of the year. So we'll be doing some more of those shows and Canada. So, um, meanwhile, in the UK, I will have moved on and I'm playing the whole of Foxtrot in a few days' time. We start our UK tour. So, there are, there are two Genesis albums that, that we're basically doing in total. And some of the shows we're, we're crossing over with selling in a blank pound. So, there are three different Genesis albums. Um, so, um, there's all of that. Like Kanye uh, Toady and the Coastliner, stuff like that. I mean, that was yeah. 12 string, crazy. There's some crazy playing on there. I mean, was that yeah. hard hard to revisit? Oh, yeah. I, that, that, that's the most difficult song to play because it gets more complex as it continues towards the end of it. You know, um, it, there, there are a ton of chords in it. It's, it's, um, it's, it's harmonically uh, informed with a lot of detail and... Um, uh, um, you'd, you'd be amazed. You think, oh, well, you know, he can wake up in the middle of the night and do that, standing on his head in a bucket. Wrong. 
<laughs> no can do. I have to really concentrate on that one. So I'm I, I'm looking forward to doing that. At the same time, I think, hope I don't screw it up. Here comes that guitar solo again. <laughs> Let's try and get that right. You know, it's everywhere on the fretboard. And um, I just tried to do what was appropriate at the time. So I'll do that and honor the original, but I might stick in the odd trill or, or something to, um, to liven it a bit. But mm. it's got a wonderful Mellotron solo on it, I think. Um, I mean, I wrote the song and the lyrics. Um, uh, then we had a jam and it's the jam section that is extraordinary because Genesis did a lot of this sort of refining jams. So Tony was writing a part on Mike Rutherford and I were doing a fixed rhythm guitar mm. picture. Um, Tony was doing this um, classical composition on the top on, on Mellotron strings. Um, it's a really lovely bit of string writing. Really, really good. Sounds like, you know, he really knew, you know, uh, those, those orchestral influences were, you know, not just... Uh, it's not like it was an amateur having a go at it. You know, it sounded like someone who's got a real passion for that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and in fact, funnily enough, in London's Marquee, I'd once wandered into the Marquee because record companies' uh, offices were, were up uh, uh, overhead. And um, the guy on the door, Uli, said, I said to him, oh, that sounds interesting, what's that? And he said to me, you're joking, aren't you? That's you guys. And I realized that it was exactly that moment. It was the Mellotron bit Wow, you've got drums improvising, you've got the, the bass pedal intoning like a bell. And I didn't recognize it. I thought, oh, maybe that was something from Procol Harum because they were quite an influence on Genesis, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, but it was Genesis and it was a lovely moment. And that particular moment didn't owe anything to Procol Harum except in spirit, I think. And um, I thought that was just bloody terrific. What were some of those um, other influences on Genesis because I think it, it's so you know you 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 obviously have to go back a ways I mean there's so many artists who to this day have been influenced by your playing your tremendous skill set um what, what were some of those other like as you play these shows and, and and would rehearse for these shows um what are some of the other influences that you go back to from when you first started playing and when Genesis started writing well you know I started out life as a harmonica player you know from the age of two I was deadly serious about trying to learn harmonica and um, so uh, I was always aware of music so the influences were um, you know pre-rock and roll um, at that point so you know as, as, as a little kid it was everything from Glenn Miller to um, you know cowboy songs and even things from from the 1920s that I, I would be hearing and I you know a child doesn't realize that um, you know Bye Bye Blackbird is a song from way back it's 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 that that thing. Um, Elvis had yet to happen, you know. All of that. Um, latterly, of course, we all picked up on, you know, who were the originators of, of that sound, and it's it's got to be Muddy Waters and Little Walter and all of those guys. So blues was hugely important for me once I started to, you know, trace back the lineage of of, of music. Um, I was at least as thrilled by harmonica players as I was. Um, what the guitar could do um, but at the same time I was listening say for instance to all the the great um, blues men who happened to be in London at a certain point in the mid-60s including Jimi Hendrix um, at the same time I was listening to um, 
Segovia and, and thinking, my God, how does he do that? That's a living miracle. How can you do that in one go on a guitar? You know, and you've got you've got ten fingers, but there's no band there. There's no who do you fall back on? Nobody. It's one guy, and it's the most and it's the most detailed music, glorious stuff. Uh, and he's conjuring all these different tones. You know, one minute it's sounding like a harpsichord playing up at the bridge, nylon guitar. Other time, you know, he's caressing it or he's um, not quite thrashing it because he wasn't a, 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 a flamenco guitarist, but there was all of Spain in his playing and all of Baroque Germany involved in that. So I'm, I'm trying to give him a good name check here, you know. Um, mm. um, so I love that. And, and of course, you know, these are guys who must have slept with their guitars and um, uh, Hendrix too, you know, you get that feeling that, that they were at one with their instrument, really, really cared about it. And they were very separate schools of thought. The collision of those schools, um, those very separate ideas are what really sparked off progressive music as we think of it now, it's starting to happen during the 60s, into the 1970s, Genesis, before it becomes perhaps less detailed and uh, uh, more stripped down. Uh, the devil, I think, you know, for me, the devil is in the detail, and, and that's what I'm most concerned about, you know, musical, musical detail. I mean, I'll listen to Tchaikovsky, and I'll marvel at how was that done? How was the, um, you know, how did you do that string arrangement? What are the woodwinds doing? What's the brass doing? How is that possible? All of that stuff. And I, I get as drawn to orchestral detail as I do watching Eddie Van Halen um, doing, doing something, thinking, what an incredible guitar tone. You know, um, it's a sort of gunslinger's approach to, uh, uh, to playing. But there's more to music. Music is this very broad church. It's, um, and I've always wanted to broaden Rock's shoulders to um, include all these other things as well. So there shouldn't really be classical musicians who are separate from rock musicians. And, you know, we should all be, we should really all be in the same room, at least in our imagination in terms of saying, yeah, I could use some of what that guy has got to offer. Yeah. That's what I love when artists kind of look and, yeah. you know, pick things from, you know, the, it, someone told me what's music's meant to be shared. And I just love, you know, and when artists do that, it's just phenomenal. I think, you know, and to get inspired by each other. That's it. Yeah, the idea of inclusive music, whether you call it progressive or collision or inclusive, the idea that um, everyone's welcome to the party, whatever they do, whether you're a trad jazz mu musician, you know, whatever you're doing, um, it doesn't matter if you're breaking rules or if you're coming up with new techniques. The main thing is there's a language and you're adding to the glossary of terms. Um, you might come up with a little thing like tapping. Uh, you might come up with sweet picking or octave jumps or whatever, but I would try and get into early solos. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just a footnote uh, because music is this really broad, wonderful thing. And, and I've realized that there's no such thing as a, uh, an irrelevant um, instrument. They've, they've all got their place, even the humble triangle you know, that only goes up a couple of tings in the, in, the, in the course of a symphony. But 
that's there for a reason. It's a highlight. That'll work. Or the Berenbar, the sound of the jungle, that works too. You need at some point to have listened to all these things and realize that they've got something, they've got something unique with the whole world of percussion. Um, it's such a unique and varied thing in itself, a choir of drums, of percussion, all of those things. It's infinitely varied. It never really, it never really stops. I, lo I love all the variations that are possible with music. You've, you've talked a great deal about, um, you know, before in other, in other interviews and book and stuff, uh, Brian Eno obviously worked with you guys uh, a bit with treatments on The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Did you yeah. ever, did you ever want to get into a room with him the way Robert uh, Fripp did and, and make a record with, with just Steve and, and Brian? And what would that have been like? Uh, and what it, would it have been like? And yeah. who, who knows what might happen in the future? Um, I think it was interesting when he got to work with Genesis, um, came in for basically a day and a bit, and um, uh, he, uh, he had little boxes that you could put sound through. So, you know, he was able to come to Genesis baggage-free, no, no, no preconceptions. Um, he was just... A, an enthusiast about sound. That's how I, I read him. And I thought, now this guy's interesting and he's enthusiastic about concepts and art. And he's written a very um, interesting diary, funnily enough. Um, so um, he's a bright guy. Um, I, I think he, he regards himself as an art teacher. And um, who, who would argue with that? That's, there are so many ways. I gather the way he works is often um, he sets people tasks and then goes off and does something else for a few days, then comes back and sees what they've done it. That's very much a teacher's approach, isn't it? That, you know, yeah. rather than sticking around for the, uh, you know, the bricks and mortar, show me when you've built the house. That's it. Yeah. I was wondering too, you know, I, I think at one point, uh, well, through several months, um, you know, you were on the road playing uh, some of the classic Genesis and Genesis was on the road during their farewell tour. Was yep. there, what did you think of, uh, did you get a chance to see much of that, uh, that, that tour? Was there any itch to go out and maybe play a song or two with uh, Phil, Mike and Tony? Or, I mean, what was your impression of, of all of that? Well, um, I didn't get to see the tour. I saw some of it on YouTube. I was touring at exactly the same time and my tour was already booked before theirs. And I was doing something like a 31 or 32 date tour of, of the UK, so, and it was literally virtually every night. So um, it wasn't really possible to do that. In fact, at one point we were in the same town on the same night. Yeah. And uh, that's where the DVD is from, uh, our Blu-ray, same night, you know, uh, we were, you know, two teams were in Manchester at the same time. And um, uh, the last time we tried to put ourselves together as a team, um, uh, was I think 2005 and um, uh, with Peter Gabriel, but there, there seemed to be insufficient common ground, you know, for, for, mm. for discussion. Um, I was extremely flexible about that. And, and I've always been very open about that, very flexible about that, that um, if they wanted me to do that, I would do it. But I think the last time I, I said to Tony that um, 
uh, would you like me to get up and play Firth of Fifth with you when they were playing um, a London gig? And um, and um, Tony said to me, oh, you know, that's that's Daryl's big moment. You can't do that. So I thought, oh, oh wow. There's the most oh. famous Genesis guitar solo that I've, I've uh, basically put together. And I'm being told that um, even if I want to, um, uh, that's not really on offer. So really, wow. They had they had an idea of doing Lamb Lies Down on Broadway with Pete, but Pete wanted it done as a musical, and uh, as well as doing a few dates. And um, Tony wasn't interested in it as a musical; thought it was too complicated. So it gives you an idea of the internal workings of band politics, where people would think it would be very easy. Yeah, you just walk up on stage and you do that. But there's uh, for whatever reason, whether it's um, valid criticism or whether it's competitiveness, Genesis is a very strange band that seems unwilling, you know, to um, to perhaps turn the clock back even for five minutes, you know, to uh, to do what we know that fans would love and adore. So all I can say is what what I do with Genesis music is I I honour the early music that we did. I think it's important music and um, I do it politics free. There are no internal band politics. When, when, when this is done, I'm the guy who decides this album is worth doing. Um, I haven't got to negotiate with anyone. There's no composition by committee. Yes. Um, I, haven't got to, I haven't got to get this thing through you know, rock's equivalent of bloody parliament, you know, <laughs> I just bloody well do it. And, yeah. uh, and, um, and I have a great band that are, that are prepared to do it. And I wish them, you know, great luck when they were off on tour doing their version of stuff. And I, you know, in the press, I just said, well, you know, yes, go and see them and come and see our version as well. And um, wish both teams luck, you know, with, with that, because, you know, we perhaps represent different aspects of, of you know, that all-embracing thing called called Genesis. Um, I'm probably saying too much about that, but you know, no, I'm, no, it's interesting. I'm being, I'm, I'm being on, honest with you, and I don't want to be negative about this. Yeah. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, I think that we did great music together, and um, uh, it's it's worth preserving. You know, you know, um, you could say the band was interesting in all its incarnations. Not just me with the band, my predecessor Anthony Phillips, um, Daryl's uh, approach to the soloing on it. Um, you know, whether it's Phil on drums or his son, uh, or uh, or whomever, um, or, or whether it's Phil being the lead singer or, or Peter Gabriel. Um, it's all uh, it's all world class stuff. So um, you know, I love them and adore them. There's a funny bit where you played in a few bars of uh, Invisible Touch once on YouTube. I saw that. And then you're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, I, I seem to remember doing a, a live thing in a, um, in a club in, in, in Paris. And someone shouted out Invisible Touch. And so um, I'd never played it in my life, but I managed to get those notes right and, and the chords. And that was, that was it. It's funny. It, yeah. Yeah. You know. What is your What is your version of of Seconds Out bring uh, that the original doesn't have? Steve? Better production. Better production. Um, uh, better clarity with the mix. Uh, everything heard. Um, 
a better drum sound. I'm not going to say the playing's better. What I'll say is, you know, time moves on. Production techniques change. Um, uh, I think it's got all the fire of the original plus, you know, um, 50 years to observe it and track it down, you know. Um, yeah, I, th I, think, I think it's a great version of it. I, I would prefer to listen to this than I would the original, uh, but the, the original is always going to outsell it. So um, what I'm aware of is I try to honor this early music and do authentic versions of it, but to add things, you know, where, where um, something might be uh, woodwind in spirit or, or brass in spirit, we add the real thing. And sometimes when I do re-records, if something's orchestral in spirit, I'll add an orchestra if it requires it from time to time. Interesting. What, yeah, just yeah, just because uh, we're we're in the Prague Prague thing here. Uh, Kate Bush, uh, of course, had a number one single uh, this summer with "Running Up That Hill." What What yes. are your thoughts on a, an artist like Kate, who's I, I think is fantastic? I don't know your thoughts on her, but yeah. what are your thoughts on something like that happening? Four years later. Well, it's extraordinary, isn't it? You know, there's always that, you know, um, uh, that filmmakers have yet to discover the work of Genesis, whether they ever will, I don't know. But, you know, if George Lucas decides that Watch From The Skies is a great opening to a space epic, um, <laughs> that's, in, that's entirely possible. Um, you, you know, uh, um, uh, music that has its time, uh, this is interesting, isn't it? The hit song from uh, the Robin Hood movie that Michael Kamen wrote. So he was asked, yeah, yeah, so when did you write that, that song? Everything I do, you know. Um, so prior to Brian Adams, yes, it's, its roots are traced back 20 years. He said, I wrote the song 20 years ahead of the movie. So um, uh, I guess a good song is timeless. And when it finds the right vehicle to promote it, because arguably the song became more famous than the movie. Um, yes, isn't that a little bit like Ibsen with Peer Gint? Yeah, yeah. What, what do we know of Peer Gint? What we know of Peer Gint is 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 the the word work by Grieg. Um, but what came first? Yeah, it was the book first. It was the story. Um. Last question I had, you know, um, you mentioned tapping earlier, and um, as yeah. far as everything I can look back, I mean, you started the tapping technique. I mean, how did that first come about? Um, I know you, you just have a few minutes, but if you can just give us yeah. a little bit of, little I bit was of that. trying to, I was trying to uh, play a line from Bach or something that sounded like Bach. It was probably, it was probably triplets, and I thought the simplest way to do this with electric guitar so it doesn't blur from, from string to string, it's do it all on one string. So um, you're just stretching the possibilities. So you're borrowing from a, you're borrowing from keyboard to inform the fretboard. Mm. That's, that's how I see it. So Bach is the inventor of it really. Okay. He's the guy, not <laughs> me. Awesome. Uh, do, you, do, you like, do you like to see how tapping's evolved through the years and- Oh yeah, the yeah. It's a fantastic technique, um, even though uh, I seem to be its, um, well, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm its mother, its father or its midwife, but the thing <laughs> is, it's, it's, um, 
you know, the mother of all techniques. It, it certainly enables everyone to be the fastest gun in the West for a while. It's, it's a great way to fire off salvos, no doubt about it. So yeah. I'm, I'm being called to the bar. All right. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to do another interview now. So it's been great oh. talking to you guys. I'm sure we could talk all day or all night. But, Absolutely. Um, Thank you, but, sir. Have you got what you need? Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Everybody. Steve Hackett, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Absolutely. Marvelous. Take care. Take Thank care. You. Yeah.